Welcome, welcome to Rise to the Top, a college football betting podcast with your host and number one college football handicapper, Freddie Wills. Welcome back, everybody. This is Freddie Wills, uh, your college football handicapper here uh, on a Friday, December 30th. Breaking down the Fiesta Bowl here today, I'll, I'll get to all the details, including my recommendation on what to bet on. It's going to be a max rating play of the day for me. Uh, doing pretty well on those this bowl season, going 4-0. Actually, 30-11 and 11 against the spread on my max rated play of the days during bowl season over my eight-year career. We definitely turned things around this bowl season. Uh, before we get to all that, I do want to apologize to my listeners. I... Uh, I was told there was some issues with my audio last time, and it was very difficult to listen to, so I do apologize. I also apologize uh, for not uh, giving you guys some more podcasts. I know uh, a lot of you enjoy them, and it was just a time crunch thing for me over the holidays. We're a little busy, as I'm sure everyone can relate to, and I want to make sure my number one goal, obviously, is providing uh, winning betting information to my clients that pay. So that's where my concentration was. And uh, it's obviously produced results. I'm on a nice little run right now. Uh, profitable in both the NFL and college this year. Uh, going 30 and 18 over my last 48 sports picks, and uh, 12 and 4 in the season in NFL play of the days. Uh, so looking forward to wrapping up week number 17 with that action and, and going strong into the playoffs. And uh, as I mentioned, we've been we've, we've been on quite the hot streak here in college. And uh, if you followed me in the past, you know, I've, I've always done pretty well in the bowl season. Six of seven winning seasons. I'm on to my seventh of eighth probably here. And, uh, you know, uh, definitely get it done this time of year. So um wanted to recap uh, my last podcast. I kind of talked about the eight different things I looked at going into bowl games. And one of the things I, I touched on, but I don't think I concentrated on enough, uh, was, and it's something I definitely learned in last night's game, uh, with Arkansas and Virginia Tech, and that's coaching. I think uh, coaching is probably one of the most underrated factors going into bowl season, and really not just uh, your head coach, but your coordinators. And, you know, I mentioned it in my last podcast in terms of uh, transitions and coaches moving around. And, uh, you know, you definitely have to pay close attention to that. And, and you know, over these last eight or ten bowl games that I break down, it's definitely one of the things I am really focused on. Arkansas's Brett Bielema last night got severely outcoached. When his team started losing momentum, they started that game up 24 to nothing. And here I am in the first half. I'm like, wow, all right, we won South Carolina on the day, a POD max rated play. This is uh, one of my, my second highest plays with Arkansas. On a day, four out of five on my confidence rating. And I have 31-point cushion. I'm feeling pretty damn good. I'm actually already cashing the ticket in my head. And what happens? If you watch the game, a complete turnaround in the second half. 35 unanswered points by Virginia Tech. Arkansas looked like a completely different team. Two things I noticed on the sidelines. Arkansas's Brett Bielema looked like he didn't give a shit. He wasn't coaching up, motivating his kids. And that's what college kids need. And number two, their quarterback fell apart. No one picked them up. No one started making plays. No one was talking to him on the sidelines. You could see in his body language. And all that is coaching. Their offensive coordinator, Dan Nielos, the guy that came over from Central Michigan, I didn't see any coaching on the sidelines. He was talking to the quarterback. 
But what happened the next series, turnover, head, heads being hung again. Uh, I really liked Austin Allen. I really liked Arkansas this year. There was plenty of times, including their last game against Missouri, where I bet them as a, a decent-sized dog, and I bet them big several times this year, and they fell apart in the second half. Really, really frustrating to see last night. And, uh, you know, I always go back to this. You never, never, ever count your chickens before they hatch, or however that saying goes. Uh, I, <laughs> I still haven't learned because, again, in the first half, I'm like, wow, all right, 24 nothing Arkansas. Their offense is looking great. Their defense is looking great. What happened in the second half? They lose the second half battle 35 nothing, And you could sense it. You could sense it at the end of the first half uh, with the um, with the punt drop and then it going back to Arkansas. It was like a 10, 15-minute uh, fiasco. And uh, the other thing I, I need to vent on a little bit, and I, I want to keep this podcast positive, but uh, how long these games take and these officials, why do they, they have to review everything and then it's, it's being reviewed for 10 minutes? Like, enough is enough. Every single game you watch, these games are getting delayed, the, the back-end games. Like uh, the uh, Colorado-Oklahoma uh, State game, which I'll get to here in a second, last night got delayed by 15 minutes, and then it started on ESPN News because they couldn't wait any longer. Why are these games taking so damn long? Uh, very frustrating. And I think just like the NFL, college football is not careful. Obviously, they try to bring in all this money with like the TV deals and everything, but if they're not freaking careful, they're going to start losing fans as well. Maybe not in the South, but up here in the Northeast, um, you know, I already hear it with NFL. It's just taking too long to watch a game. Um, so that's just my opinion there. But after the Oklahoma State game, again, with coaching, actually bet on Colorado minus three, small bet. But, you know, one of the things I, I kind of overlooked in this game, and I know Mike Dundee's a great coach. Like, he's a very good coach, and he's a very good bowl coach. He obviously has a better coaching staff as well, and it's not even close. And I, I, I looked at this a little bit specific to Colorado. Mike McIntyre, Pac-12 Coach of the Year, but really, he missed defensive coordinator Jim Lovett, who uh, just accepted the Oregon defensive coach job. And Lovett probably should have been the Pac-12 Defensive Coordinator of the Year or Coach of the Year, even as a coordinator, because that's how good he was. That's how much he improved his Colorado defense. And uh, obviously the cornerback, Owuze, he had, for Colorado had a tough, tough go at it, uh, you know, with his turf toe and everything, but that's not why they got manhandled last night by a Big 12 team. So it's something to look at moving forward in terms of conferences. So, uh, you know, the Big 12 looks pretty good here early. 3-1 and one straight up in against the spread. Uh, the Pac-12 here, 0-3 uh, against the spread. We got Stanford today. Uh, probably maybe could write the ship. Um, you know, obviously, by the time you listen to this, that game will probably be final. But uh, I'm, I, I'm definitely looking at North Carolina as a possible play there out of the ACC, which has gone, uh, I believe, 5-1 and one straight up and against the spread this, this season. And I've talked all about the ACC all year long, and I, I know I was going to like them going into the bowl season because of the experience they have uh, versus other Power 5 conferences. They had one of the most experienced uh, group of uh, teams coming back this year, senior and junior-laden teams, and I, I think it really has shown early in this bowl season. The one loss they had was Pittsburgh, and uh, Pittsburgh, of course, you know, lost their running back early in that game. John Connor got hurt, concussion, and then they lost their quarterback uh, early in that game as well. And, and if not for that, I think that would have been a different result against Northwestern. So 
But uh, moving on to the Fiesta Bowl, uh, one of the college football playoff games here, and we get a marquee game, Clemson versus Ohio State. We get the coaching battles, everything. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say it right from the start, because this is going to be a lengthy debate here between myself and those who probably are backing another team. And uh, I'm going to give you the pick right off the, the bat, and you can tune out and, uh, you know, go put your money at the winning ticket window uh, after you get this information. But uh, Clemson, I'm taking them on the money line. It's a match-rated play of the day. I'm not even going to think twice about it. Clemson plus 130, and uh, I'll give you some reasons why. We'll break it down here. As you know, I've been backing the ACC and touting them as the best conference this season. They had by far the most experience coming back of any conference, and they have certainly lived up to that this whole season with the exception of Pitt, which I mentioned. The ACC went 7-3 and three this year versus the SEC this year, and they also went 4-2 and two versus the Big Ten. So we have made the case that, obviously, the ACC is a better conference than the Big Ten this season. Let's move on to coaching. You really can't say Dabo Sweeney is better than Urban Meyer, uh, but besides the national championships Myers, Meyer has that Sweeney doesn't, it's pretty damn close. And it's pretty damn remarkable that's what Sweeney has done here at Clemson. And, you know, Sweeney went head-to-head with Coach Urban Meyer uh, before in a bowl game. Back in 2013, Clemson matched up against uh, Ohio State, and uh, it was a bowl victory for Clemson, 40-35. to So, And I believe it was like a pick-em game. Or I remember backing Ohio State in that game uh, and being very surprised that Clemson came away with a win. So uh, that's something to consider. Now, uh, defense, in my opinion, will win this game. And I'll take Clemson's defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, over Greg Schiano, Ohio State's defensive coordinator. And I, I believe uh, I, be- I believe Ohio State, their defense is going against the best offensive team all year and obviously the best quarterback they've faced all year in Deshaun Watson. Venables, if you don't know too much about him, has been at Clemson since 2012. He's taken the defense from, in 2012, where they ranked 60th in yards per play allowed. They then went to 38th. Then in his third year, they were number one. And then uh, last year, 11th. And then this year, 6th. And and they lost a lot of guys up front. uh, And to be 6th in defense, uh, given what they faced offensively this year, is, is pretty remarkable. I truly think this Clemson team has been on a mission, and uh, I really enjoyed watching this offense down the stretch. Sure, they lost some guys from last year, but they brought back more starters than Ohio State and Alabama did. So, uh, you know, just a little hint towards what way I'm leaning uh, when uh, if and when Clemson faces off against Alabama. Uh, Their offense has more wide receiver depth with Mike Williams coming back, and and then you got uh, Wayne Gallman at running back, and Deshaun Watson got – both got hot late. Uh, but in terms of the wide receiver depth, uh, you need balance. Both teams have strong defenses. You definitely need balance in this game, and Clemson certainly has more of it uh, with the wide receiver talent that they have and the tight end talent. Uh, Ohio State really, I think they have like five receivers and only one has played the position before. I think I heard a stat like that the other day, and uh, that's just truly amazing. And JT Barrett, obviously not the passer that Watson is. Uh, other thing to consider here, Wayne Gallman actually has 87 fewer carries than he did last year, 
And that's a good thing going into these games because that means he's fresh. And he really started to look really good down the stretch. Um, you know, he's banged up throughout the season, and I think uh, he's really going to shine again like he did last year at this time. Let's move on to strength of schedule between these teams. Both teams face the top ten strength of schedule with elite competition in their non-conference games. Ohio State obviously played Oklahoma, and uh, Clemson played Auburn on the road. Ohio State is ranked as having the number one strength of schedule and Clemson number seven, according to team rankings, which I I use their their stats quite a bit, uh, especially for yards per play and yards per play defense. So teamrankings.com, a great resource. But uh, when I take a deeper look, I completely disagree with the strength of schedule numbers. Ohio State, in my opinion, played the weaker schedule. Not by much, but they played the weaker schedule. So it's definitely something you want to consider when you're looking at all the stats. And obviously we went over some of the coaching. Now we're going to start talking about some stats here. And Ohio State, third-ranked defense. No question, great defense, great in the secondary. Um, a little weaker up front than last year. But uh, third-ranked defense from a yard per, per play perspective. And uh, they faced an opponent ranking 67th on offense. So they kind of played a weak schedule in terms of offenses they faced. Clemson, meanwhile had the sixth-ranked defense, and, uh, you know, just right right there with Ohio State, really. And they faced an average opponent ranking 62nd. So a little bit tougher schedule for Clemson in terms of offenses they faced. And Clemson, obviously, they faced five top 40 offenses, while Ohio State, they only faced four. So that's a huge difference there, but the defenses are right there. And uh, I'm going to touch on it later why I think Clemson is a better defense. Uh, It's definitely close, but I would say both teams have about the same level of talent on defense, and Clemson had the tougher schedule. So moving on to offensive numbers, Ohio State ranks 38th. You know, I I mentioned their struggles passing the ball. They're not as balanced as Clemson. Let's be honest, they are a bit more one-dimensional with strength in the running game as they they really do lack a receiver for JT Barrett. And and JT Barrett lacks accuracy and, and proper footwork at times especially when he's in the pocket, facing a team with a, a front seven that really creates havoc. Uh, I, I kind of – that's one of the keys in this game, and I think that's where Clemson wins this game, to be honest. Uh, State with their 38th-ranked offense. They obviously faced a ton of uh, tough defenses being in the Big Ten on their way to ranking an average opponent ranking 50.5 offensively from a yards-per-play perspective. Now, when you compare it to Clemson – Clemson, a better offensive ranking, 27th. Uh, obviously, we mentioned a more balanced offense and a better quarterback all around. Clemson took on an average defensive ranking of 46.4. So, again, a tougher schedule. Clemson, the better offensive ranking. And when you consider that they face six top 30 defenses, eight top 40 defenses, Ohio State faced just four top 30 defenses and five top 40 defenses. When you add it all up, uh, Ohio State at a significant disadvantage when it comes to their offense versus Clemson's offense. Uh, you know, Ohio State's offense, when they face top 30 defenses, they definitely scored some points and played well. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, you know, he's, he's an offensive-minded guy, and his quarterbacks always play well for, from him, going back to uh, his, his days uh, before he took the Florida job. So, uh, against top 30 defenses this year, he scored 38, he scored 38, 21, 30, and 30, which is impressive. But keep in mind, only Michigan and Penn State had an offense that could keep Ohio State off the field. 
You even saw it in the Michigan game. Late in that game, Ohio State started to take control of the game, started to wear down Michigan. And uh, I don't see that happen here because I think Clemson can stay on the field. And when you really look at it, Ohio State's offense really struggled against Michigan. And in my opinion, they lost that game. Um, you know, JT Barrett got that fourth and one. And I don't think he made that line. I thought uh, Jim Harbaugh had a really good uh, point. And it's, I, I think he's a baby, but I still think he had a really good point. And the officiating seemed to be really against them all game. And, uh, you know, obviously this game went to two overtimes as Ohio State scored just 17 points in regulation. And seven of those 17 uh, were a defensive touchdown. So even though they scored 30 against Michigan, a, a top 10 defense, which Clemson is as well, statistically, um, that that really wasn't uh, accurate. Two overtimes, one defensive score. And uh, when you add it all up, I think Ohio State's offense is going to struggle in this game. And uh, now when you take a look at Clemson, on the other hand, against the six top 30 defenses that they faced this season, 35.5 points they averaged. And they faced an SEC defense in non-conference play on the road. So uh, obviously that was their lowest scoring point total, and it came at the beginning of the season. Uh, towards, towards the end of the season, Clemson looked like a well-oiled machine. And uh, again, I can't stress it enough. I, th- I think they're going to be on the field more than uh, Ohio State. And I think that's going to be the difference because Ohio State will play a very conservative game, uh, you know, wear you down, win the game in the fourth quarter. Against Clemson, I don't think they can do that because I think Clemson's going to be able to put up some points here. The other thing I wanted to touch on here, uh, something that I look at very carefully, uh, trenches, the trench play and efficiencies, big-time considerations in these types of games. And I feel like Clemson has the edge here again. We already have shown that they faced a stronger schedule, and yet they did better on third down offense and defense. They also were better on uh, red zone touchdown percentage, another edge that they had against tougher defenses than what Ohio State played. Now, Ohio State did have an advantage in red zone defense. Uh, both allowed 36 opponents into the red zone. Ohio State, 33.3%. Clemson, 58%. I think you can chalk that up to, really, Ohio State – did they face a team with a quarterback that could throw? Not really. Um, they faced a lot of bad offenses in the Big Ten. So, um, really, when I look at that, they didn't face a lot of balanced teams. And uh, Clemson, obviously, a balanced offense. And Clemson, 70% touchdown percentage in the red zone. So, Ohio State can have their hands full in the red zone, even though they've done well all year. Uh, Clemson had some big-time, big receivers. And... Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time in this, this area. So I give the edge to Clemson there, third down and red zone. And, uh, but now in the trenches, a big-time consideration. This is where I think the, the Clemson has the advantage in this one. They, had, they were plus 50 tackles for loss this season with 112. And uh, compared to Ohio State, only plus 25 this year. <laughs> so that's a big-time difference. And uh, when you look at uh, what each team did – in the sack market, Clemson plus 32 sacks, while Ohio State uh, doesn't even have 32 sacks on the season. They had just 26 this year, and they allowed 25. That allowed 25. You know, J.T. Barrett, a lot of times he's too smart. They don't, force, they, they don't turn the ball over. A lot of times they'll just take the sack. And that's going to be a big key in this game because if Clemson can get a couple three and outs, 
and early in this game and be on the field, I, I think they can get a big-time lead here. And I don't see Ohio State being able to throw the ball around and come back in this one. Now, I will say, the stack marks that I just referenced, a little misleading. Teams in the Big Ten, obviously, run the ball more. Teams in the ACC, obviously, pass the ball more. So, obviously, they have more opportunities to sack the quarterback and uh, protect your quarterback. But uh, let me just pull this up really quick. And while I do that, uh, you know, I know at the end of the season, I'm going to be giving out another play in my newsletter. So make sure you uh, subscribe to Freddie's Premium Sports Picks newsletter, free at freddiewills.com. All right, so let's take take a look. Uh, obviously, we, get, we gave the advantage in sacks. Uh, but let's just take a look at where Ohio State ranks. 47th in sack percentage, 6.6.7% of dropbacks are sacking the quarterback. And then Clemson, 7th in the nation, 9.45%, which is really impressive. Uh, 10% last year for that team. And they lost some guys up front, and they still were able to come with the production. Ren Venable is one of the best defensive coaches in the nation, in my opinion, and it, it really showed this year. I think he did a really good job. Um, here's a huge key here. Um, before I get to that key, actually, I missed one part that uh, I was mentioning in the trenches. And uh, I, one thing I want to talk about is havoc rate. Uh, definitely in the front seven, obviously, we, which what goes into that are sacks and tackles for loss and pressuring the quarterback, that type of thing. Uh, Clemson ranks in havoc rates. Fourth overall, seventh in the front seven, and 21st in the defensive backs. While Ohio State ranks 15th, 17th, and 30th. So, again, you know, there's this idea that Ohio State has the better defense. And, um, you know, everything that I talked about, I'm not so sure that they do. Especially when you consider Clemson, again, played better offenses this year. So, uh, you tell me. But uh, Clemson, big team in this game, they have to, have to watch the turnovers in this game. That is their biggest threat to losing this game, in my opinion. They had 24 turnovers this year. But I will say this, only three over their last three games. They've had 27 last year, and they only had two total turnovers in the game against Alabama and Oklahoma, so one in each. So uh, they obviously, Deshaun Watson, a little bit more careful in these games. I I think he'll be careful in this game. Another reason why I like Clemson, they forced 24 turnovers. So um, (laughs) one of the things when you're looking at this is Ohio State's plus 16 in turnover margin this year, but – Really, they were lucky a lot of times. Fumble recovery rate, Clemson, 118th, which very unlucky. Ohio State ranked 43rd. So when you when you add those things up, uh, you start inching these teams a little bit closer uh, to what they how they really do match up. And if you're listening still, I do thank you. Uh, we certainly have to break down the X factors in this game, which are the quarterbacks, because they have running abilities. They don't aren't just throwers. Deshaun Watson really has not carried the ball a ton this year like he did a year ago. Um, but it really seems like he's saving that for this part of the season. Uh, you know, 17 carries in the ACC championship game against a very good defense, Virginia Tech, had 85 yards. Uh, it was a season-high carries for him. And it really seems, like I said, like he's saving it for these two games coming up here, this game against Ohio State and then the winner of Washington, Alabama. Last year in these playoff games, he had 145 yards against Oklahoma, 73 yards rushing against Alabama, you really can't stack the box against Watson either. His arm, with his arm, he'll pick you apart if you start doing that, especially with the receiving talent he has. 
And uh, he has more receiving talent this year than last year. A lot of injuries last year, and he still put up big points and numbers against Oklahoma and Alabama's defenses. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Ohio State's got a great defense, but uh, it's a very young defense, which has struggled in the trenches and has not faced a mobile quarterback like this. They were lucky to knock Tommy Armstrong of Nebraska out of their game, who had four carries for 19 yards. Uh, Penn State's quarterback, McSorley, from uh, he, he really didn't run too much this year, but when he had to, he was effective. 19 carries for 63 yards against Ohio State. And then Northwestern's Clayton Thorson, who's not even a running quarterback, had 44 yards on six carries. I think Watson, if this game is close, he's going to win it with his feet. And that's going to be the difference in this game. If this game is close, if I'm wrong about everything else, the X factor, advantage, Deshaun Watson, JT Barrett. Now, we'll, you know, we'll talk about he's got more rushing yards than, than Watson this year. Uh, and, but in this game, he's going against a defense that had 112 tackles for loss. 46 sacks, and he doesn't have the arm or the receiving weapons that Clemson has. So Clemson also good against running quarterbacks all year and has faced some of the best this season. They faced some of the best running quarterbacks this season where Ohio State really hasn't faced a running, a true running quarterback. I mean, Clayton Thorson, McSorley, I, I don't, I, I mean, Tommy Armstrong maybe, but he got hurt in that game. So we don't even know what would have happened that game. But Clemson, hey, they did a phenomenal job against Lamar Jackson in the first half. They kept him under wraps, and, and then obviously he went wild. They still end up winning that game, and at least they have that tape to study. And J.T. Barrett is no Lamar Jackson with his speed. Uh, he doesn't have the arm that Lamar Jackson has either. So uh, I, I do think Clemson will use that tape. But the other guys they faced, Justin Thomas of Georgia Tech, big-time running quarterback. Uh, DeAndre Francois, young, but definitely has the speed to be a running quarterback and has taken off at times this year. And then Gerard Evans from Virginia Tech, another guy, running quarterback, very similar to JT Bear. I think Gerard Evans is a better passer than him. Uh, those three combined, 38 carries for 68 yards against this Clemson defense. I think Clemson has the edge there, along with everything else I talked about. I, I hope you guys really enjoyed this in-depth breakdown. Nobody else does it like this. You listen to other podcasts, and believe me, I do. But anytime I'm driving around, I, I listen to podcasts because, you know, I'm always trying to get better. I don't know everything. And I, I like to listen to other handicappers and, and hear what they have to say about games and, and what they're looking at. And I'm always trying to grow as a handicapper. This year has been a grind. I appreciate everyone who uh, stuck with me. I appreciate, you know, believe it or not, all the people that uh, sent me hate emails when I was doing poorly. That always motivates me, and, you know, I, I, my feelings are never hurt. So keep them coming. I look forward to uh, the next few days. Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, hopefully I'll have some time to do another podcast before the national championship game. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, if I don't talk to you, we'll see you next year. And uh, we'll be back in, probably around May, May time to start talking college football. Can't wait. Enjoy the games. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening all year. Take care.